to the Most Accurate Podcast presented by 444.com. I'm your host, Greg Smith. The band on this episode is Baroness, and the song is Borderlines off their 2019 album, Gold and Gray. Check the link in the show notes to the TMAP B-Sides playlist on Spotify to listen to the whole track plus all the other music I select for my shows. We're continuing our positional previews this week on TMAP with wide receivers. I've enlisted Anthony Amico to help me analyze the wideout position's biggest offseason stories and to identify which pass catchers are worth targeting in our 2019 drafts. Today's podcast is sponsored by Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the biz. They have partnered with Hooters to bring you the largest guaranteed rake-free contest lineup in the history of DFS, including the million-dollar Hooters kickoff. To get a free seven-day trial membership, sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code 4 for 4 Just like it's spelled in our web address, the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4. The show is also brought to you by Draft. And if you want to join the biggest season-long tournament ever, then you need to enter the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship on Draft with a grand prize of $1 million. Think you have what it takes to win that jackpot? Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and get free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit with that same promo code 444, 4-F-O-R-4. And to help you take down these sorts of contests as well as your fantasy football home leagues, make sure you head over to 444.com and lock in a subscription. You'll get access to all of 444's great tools and research, plus strategy articles from our amazing team of writers. Anthony Amico is amazing in his own right. You can find his work at DraftKings and Roto Experts. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Amixta, A-M-I-C-S-T-A. Anthony, it's good to get you on the podcast, man. It's been since the 2QBs days since I've had you on a show. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, the... One of the more frequent members of the Two QBs podcast finally get me on the uh, finally get me on the corporate airwaves with you. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if I can't ruin your your position here <laughs> with this podcast. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully we don't get there. But today we're going to talk wide receivers, and let's start with some general news that's kind of occurred over the offseason. Some of this will be fresh, some of this will be a little further back. But kind of like with the running backs last week, these are all situations that fantasy owners need to sort out before they get into their drafts and. The biggest piece of news at the wide receiver position, to me, is Josh Gordon being reinstated for the Patriots. And uh, you tweeted your rankings update on Thursday of last week. You had Josh Gordon up to wide receiver 27, Julian Edelman down to wide receiver 22. Are those guys still in the same general ranges? And how much risk of resuspension do you have factored into that ranking of Josh Gordon? Yeah, I mean, first of all, shout out to the league for doing this you know, before the heaviest part of draft season. Like, I, I really thought this was going to be, like, a September 4th, like, uh, repeal, and then all of a sudden, like, everyone's scrambling. So nice to have this before we do uh, all the big all the big drafts at the end of the summer. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Edelman, for me, has hurt a lot just because I, I felt like he was maybe, like, a fringe wide receiver one as kind of, like, the only known quantity in the offense. I think Gordon was really good last year when he was with the team, so... Uh, that adds, I think, a little bit more question marks to Edelman's outlook, especially since he's still dealing with an injury. You know, he's not expected to miss time right now, but he is getting older. Certainly would make sense if, you know, a younger, more dynamic player was going to take over. Uh, the the re-suspension risk, I mean, it has to factor in for Gordon. He hasn't finished the season since 2013, but he was really good when he was with the team. It was you right. know, basically like pacing like wide receiver two value. So, you know, I put him a little bit lower than that. Uh, I mean, if you could guarantee me that Gordon wasn't going to be suspended, I'd probably take him around where I'd take DJ Moore, which would be maybe like five or six spots higher. So uh, I think that this is about right for Gordon. I mean, I'm like a sucker for him, so like I'm positive that I'll draft him, and then he'll play like six games. But 
I just can't I just can't get off the upside. I just think that he's still a really talented player. It feels to me like the Patriots kind of knew that he would come back because they, you know, we saw like a lot of the videos mm-hmm. over the summer of him working out with Tom Brady. Like this seemed like something that they were expecting. So this isn't like a helter skelter situation like last year where it was like Browns had no idea what was going on. Uh, then he ends up getting traded. Like this feels like maybe the best and most structure that Gordon's had in a long time. Yeah, and that was why I was already drafting him pretty aggressively in all sorts of leagues. I think I ended up with him in two out of the three four for four staff leagues that I'm in. I took him in Scott Fishbowl. Like I, you know, the writing was on the wall that Gordon was probably going to play this year, and he was just way too cheap considering his upside in that potential offense. I really like that point you brought up about how it's nice the NFL gave us this news early, but. If you listeners are in a draft that drafts soon, you can still exploit the Josh Gordon kind of default ranking or ADP because it's not going to catch up very fast. Some sites will be a little bit more proactive in bumping him up the rankings, but because of that suspension risk, because of just the general unknown of that offense and his role within it, you know, because we didn't get a full dose of it last year, he's going to be a little bit lower than the upside that Anthony is talking about. And I think that's something that you really need to pay attention to in your drafts is if you have one coming up soon, be sure to you know bump him up your own personal rankings or make a special note of him you know on your cheat sheet to say, hey, look, Gordon's probably a little bit too low for most people, and so I'm going to exploit that in my drafts. Now, in terms of this offense in general, do you see this changing, maybe the run-pass split that you expect from the Patriots? And I'm also curious, Anthony, what do you think is going to happen with Nikhil Harry now that Gordon is officially back in the fold? Because he was a player that we expected to kind of step up into a larger role. But now that Gordon's there, I think that's a little cloudier, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I, the thing, I think it impacts, though, like maybe the ceiling for Harry more than like his median outcome. Just because, like, again, there's just not really a lot of other players here, I think, that are going to be seeing significant targets. Like, it's pretty much, to me, uh, Edelman, Harry, Gordon, and then James White. Like, I think that those four players are still going to make up uh, I don't know off the top of my head, maybe like 80 plus percent, maybe even 90 percent of the the passing targets. So, uh, you know, I think Harry's median projection is still pretty safe. I really thought since he was drafted that he would be doing maybe more of the Gronk type things in the passing game. So red zone, scoring areas, contested catches, you know, stuff that he's really good at, uh, that he would just be replacing those those things from the wide receiver position uh, as opposed to the tight end spot where Gronk was doing it. Uh, obviously can't replace what he was doing as a blocker, but that's not relevant for fantasy anyway. Um, in terms of the run-pass split, I mean, it's hard to tell. Like, I still have them at about, like, 57.5% pass. I still think that because Brady is aging, they're not going to want to expose him too much. They're going to need to do what they have to do to win games, and I think they still want to be progressive. They still want to throw the football, but uh, we have seen them trend a little bit further down from, like, the 60% pass rate that they were at, like, a few years ago. Uh, and I think that, that makes sense. So I'm not really sure that they'll do uh, a lot more passing, but probably, you know, incrementally more. They still have, I think, four running backs that they like and uh, will use throughout the season. All right, let's move on to the Antonio Brown circus in Oakland. And I'm pretty sure that the name you're using on Twitter gives away how you feel about this. But <laughs> what does the, the number one AB stand uh, have on his outlook for Antonio Brown this season? Because there, there's a lot of nonsense going on here, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to just look through the noise. Like, I just, like, let's not forget that Antonio Brown is maybe the best receiver of the last 10 years. Like, he's been really exceptional. He's probably one of the best players ever at his position. 
Uh, and he comes in for me as wide receiver six. I think I'd be willing to take him in the early second round. Uh, and he's going like in the late second or even third round now with like a bunch of the stuff that's kind of gone around. I mean, I know that the skills are waning. Matthew Friedman uh, at the Action Network did a bunch of stuff on that last year. But he's still, you know, very far above average. Like he's, it's not like he's all of a sudden like a league average player. He's just not like, maybe he's not a Hall of Fame guy right now, but he's still, uh, you know, an all pro or a pro bowl type player. So, uh, you know, Oakland again is another one of those teams that doesn't really have a lot of options aside from Brown. I mean, I think Tyra Williams is pretty good. Like our stuff at Roto Experts really likes Tyrell Williams, uh, but it's really just because he's the second option and Darren Waller is likely the third option. So it's not like there's a ton of other ways to go here. They traded for him. They gave him the money. I kind of think that they're going to build some offense around him. You know, him amassing over 150 targets this season, I still think is a pretty decent bet, uh, definitely over like 140. And that's going to put him towards the top of the league. So I think that still gives him a chance to have a pretty big fantasy production. And I also think that uh, Derek Carr is probably being pretty underrated as a real-life quarterback. Pretty bad circumstances, I thought, last year in Gruden's first year with the weapons. Uh, should be a lot better in 2019. Yeah, Derek Carr is the rub here. Because we know, like you said, that the targets are going to be there for Brown. But I do not trust Derek Carr. I am not convinced that he is a better real-life NFL quarterback than we're giving him credit for. And he's had flashes in the past, for sure. And he has struggled to you know, have, have good weapons around him. So there's a, there's a narrative there for him to be better than I believe. Uh, but I'm still wary of that with AB. I'm even more wary of that with Tyrell Williams, but it's, it's hard to say, right? He is the type of player that we should look at in ADP and say, Hey, this guy's being severely undervalued. And I'm talking about Tyrell Williams here because, you know, again, there's not much competition for targets there. And they, I think they gave him more money as a free agent than any other free agent wide receiver got this offseason. So we have to assume they're going to use him in addition to Brown. My main concern with Williams is that Carr, you know, even if he's better than I think, he has always been a little reluctant to throw the ball downfield. And that's where Tyrell Williams sure. does his best work. So that's my main concern with Williams. And that's why I think that maybe I am a little bit too low on Antonio Brown. I think I have met like wide receiver 13 or something. I mean, I still think he's going to be good, but I, I don't trust the quarterback play with him. It's always interesting to me to see how that interplay between a quarterback and a wide receiver plays out. You know, like, does the wide receiver elevate the quarterback? Does the quarterback elevate the wide receiver? Just in general, where do you tend to fall on that? Now, in this case, I think it's pretty obvious that Brown would be elevating Carr because we know that Brown is, like you said, one of the best wide receivers ever. But are there any other situations or examples you can think of where you've seen it the other way? And I guess what's your take on that sort of wide receiver versus quarterback dichotomy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a two-way street, and I, I think that it's often propagated as a one-way street, whereas, you know, where it's just the quarterback is is the what matters more, and that's what's providing the most value. But I do think that receivers are vastly undervalued in terms of what they bring uh, to the quarterback and to the passing game overall. So uh, what you mentioned in terms of, like, where quarterbacks are comfortable or where quarterbacks are skilled at targeting players matters a lot because I, you know, I was actually talking about this with one of my friends the other day and he was like, well, you know, you really like Amari Cooper and that didn't work out with Derek Carr. So like, why do you like Antonio Brown so much? And I, I just think it's because of those like stylistic differences, like mm -hmm. Antonio Brown is going to do so much underneath and he's going to, he's such like a, uh, a technician getting himself open and being able to do that stuff in space. And I just felt like Amari and Carr like could never get on the same page because Amari was doing so much stuff down the field. I think that's, that's really important. And that's the kind of stuff that I guess you, you kind of need to see 
uh, watching the games or, or looking at like the air yards data, I think that you definitely need to see it from both sides. Uh, definitely want like the skills of the quarterback and the skills of the, the receiver to kind of mesh. Let's talk about Emmanuel Sanders next. And he had a unreported at first ankle surgery after, you know, the, he dealt with other injuries during the 2018 season. And I'm curious how much that second surgery affects your outlook for Sanders and what's your outlook for him in general in fantasy? Yeah, I mean, I truthfully haven't really been drafting him anyway. Uh, Sanders made like a, what appears to be like a miraculous looking recovery from the torn Achilles, uh, but he's still an aging player. Uh, I don't expect the pass game to be very good uh, with Joe Flacco there. I don't really think that's like a, a secret. He doesn't cost you a lot. He's going like around wide receiver 50, depending on where you're drafting. I just think that there are other players being drafted in his area that have a lot more upside. Like I think that the team is still going to look to integrate Cortland Sutton more. They have other young receivers that are pretty good. Deshaun Hamilton, uh, Tim Patrick, it even seems that they kind of like. Uh, and they drafted Noah Fant at tight end. So I, I'm not really sure that like the target funnel to Sanders is going to be there like it maybe has been in years past. Uh, so with the athletic skills probably waning, I'm, I'm going to avoid him. Yeah, me too. I'm right on the same page with you. I don't really have anything to add to that. So let's talk about Luck's injury and how it impacts your fantasy evaluations of those Colts receivers. Yeah, I'm pretty nervous about this one. The injury diagnosis hasn't really been clear. I mean, it's ranged from a, a calf strain to, uh, I don't even know how to say this. This is like something I saw from the Twitter doctors, but myos, myositis ossificans. I can't even say it, but it's like this, <laughs> it's like this thing in his bone, basically. But they say it could take like up to a year to make a full recovery from if that's what he has, and you know, like Pro Football Doc and a couple other people have said that it does kind of sound that might be what he has. So I mean, I think it's just like we're just seeing still all those early years in Indy haunting luck, where he's just getting yeah. abused. Uh, and I think it makes it difficult to draft those Colt pass catchers right now without some kind of discount. Now, I mean, I think we're, I think that probably mostly applies to T.Y. Hilton. I would say that the other guys are already coming at somewhat of a discount. I mean, Ebron's ADP has been trending down anyway. I don't think a lot of people like Funchess as it is. Like he was probably a little undervalued to me when the season, uh, when the off season opened. So, uh, and Jack Doyle has been like 13 round plus all summer too. So I, it's not like there those discounts aren't there, uh, but I'm I'm definitely thinking twice, and it's going to break a lot of ties for me. I think uh, when I'm drafting one of these Colts guys. So if you, we find out that Jacoby Brissett is going to be starting, does that bump up any wide receiver for you in this offense, or maybe one of the tight ends? I think it's big for Jack Doyle. Uh, with the last time we saw Brissett, Jack Doyle was like a checkdown monster. Doyle was like the guy, like you had him in DFS and he would get you 10 catches for like a combined like 20 yards. air yards. Yeah, like <laughs> and it was, it was like insane. Like, I mean, it hurt him a lot. I mean, even early last year when Luck was still like regaining those deep ball abilities, like the first three or four weeks, like Hilton was really struggling. So I'm, I'm nervous about that. I think the most for him. Uh, probably also Ebron, just because I think so much of his production comes from scoring. All right, now how about the A.J. Green injury? How far does he need to slide in drafts for you to be willing to take a shot on him? I think round seven, round eight. It sounds like he's in real danger to miss uh, maybe up to a month of, of action off of his current injury. And, you know, he's been hurt so frequently the past few years. I think it's difficult to take a chance on him uh, versus some of these other guys. Like, uh, this isn't a running back where, like, we know he's going to come back and immediately see a big workload. This isn't like a young receiver where we feel like he's going to come back and a lot of his athletic skills are going to be maintained. Uh, I just I'm starting to think like we're really just starting to see the end here of AJ Green. I don't know if I want to be on that unless it comes with a, an extreme discount. 
let me throw some names at you in terms of if you had to draft AJ Green or this other wide receiver, who do you want? Larry Fitzgerald or AJ Green? I still take AJ Green. How about Sammy Watkins? Uh, Watkins. Marvin Jones? Marvin. Alshon Jeffrey? Ooh, uh, probably Jeffrey. Mike Williams? Mike Williams. Yeah, so you're taking everyone off that list ahead of A.J. Green, except for Larry Fitzgerald. I would take all of them, including Fitz. Just give me the guy that we know is healthy right now. We're going to dig deeper into which specific wideouts to target and other general strategy for the position. But first, let's take a break for our sponsors. Fantasy Draft is the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business, and they have partnered with Hooters to bring you the largest lineup of guaranteed rake-free contests in the history of DFS, including the $1 million Hooters kickoff. That's right. Fantasy Draft is hosting the first rake-free contest with a guaranteed prize pool of a million bucks. As other fantasy sites continue to raise their rakes, prize pools are being squeezed, and that makes it harder for players like you to win. Maybe you call it commission or management fee instead of rake, but either way, paying 10, 12, or even 15% or more of your entry fees to fantasy companies is a thing of the past now because Fantasy Draft is the only place where 100% of entry fees are paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. To access Fantasy Draft's exclusive rake-free contest, including the Hooters Million Dollar Kickoff, all you need to do is become a member. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code 444-4FOR4, and you'll get a free 7-day trial membership. That's FantasyDraft.com with the promo code 444. Don't miss your shot at the Million Dollar Rake-Free Contest, and it's $100,000 top prize. Fantasy football fans, listen up. Do you want to prove yourself in the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, and we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. That's right. $3.5 million in real money is on the line. This tourney is massive. Here's how drafts best ball contests work. They're season long, but with no management. Set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire, no setting lineups. Your best players are automatically started, and you'll get the best possible score each week guaranteed. These are real-life snake drafts, no salary caps, just like you play with your friends in home leagues. There's no better place to play, and you can draft a team anytime you want because leagues start every couple minutes. Just do a draft, and you could be a millionaire 16 weeks later. Draft makes it that easy. To download the app, just search Draft in the app or Play Store, or play right from your computer on Draft.com. Either way, you can be drafting your first best ball championship team within minutes of signing up. Right now, all new players get free entry into a best ball draft when they make their first deposit. Simply use promo code 444, the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4. That's right, you'll get to play in a real money game for free. All you have to do is search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and use promo code 444. All right, Anthony, so which top 12 receiver do you think is most likely to be a bust this season? Yeah, I mean, I honestly think that the top 12 receiver ADP is pretty efficient right now. Probably the best it's ever been. Like, I feel like there's always a guy where I'm like, oh, this guy is like a slam dunk bust. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is honestly a pretty tough question. I'm, I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. I uh, still think that anytime you rely on big plays to score, you can kind of just run bad in a given year and not get there. Like, he's he's clearly shown that, like, for him, like, his mean and those long plays is just way higher than everybody else. But there's still a chance that, you know, two or three passes here and there like that's going to have uh, maybe even like a 20 or 30 point swing in his overall fantasy finish so that you know I think that those plays still are pretty high variance there's probably still some slight suspension risk in there somewhere it doesn't really sound like all the stuff in the offseason is necessarily completely cleared up and I think most importantly he's probably the guy in the top 12 who secures the least number of targets again even those targets are going to come with big air yards you know less targets obviously gives us a little less security there 
Yeah, I think the only other two guys that jump out to me are the ones that are at wide receiver 11 and wide receiver 12 in ADP right now. So, I mean, it makes sense that they're considered the riskiest because they're being drafted as such. And one of them is T.Y. Hilton, related to that Andrew Luck injury we talked about earlier. And the other is Adam Thielen, who is at wide receiver 12 in our average ADP at 4 for 4 I do still have concerns about that offense and how pass-happy or, I guess, run-happy they're going to be. With that said, it's still such a narrow usage tree in Minnesota that I think Thielen's still going to get a ton of targets, and drafting him at wide receiver 12 is completely justifiable. Where are you at on the Vikings offense and those receivers? I'm down on them. I'm still drafting Thielen sometimes just because I still have him as, like, the guy. I, I, I mean, listen, I like Steph Diggs too, but I, I just feel like people every year are just looking for a reason to sleep on Thielen. I just don't think the pass volume is going to be there this year. Like, they literally fired their previous offensive coordinator because he threw the ball too much, which I still can't really get my head around given the <laughs> weapons that they have, you know, but that's like the reality of having a defensive-minded head coach. Uh, they drafted a running back in the third round despite having Dalvin Cook. I think that they're really going to look to make an emphasis on running the ball. So when the volume's not there, I, I really just tend to think that these guys are overpriced. Uh, Thielen is still a guy, I'll, again, I'll take sometimes just because I think we're already getting a little bit of a discount, but Diggs I really have on almost none of my teams just because I think he's being taken maybe five or six spots too high. All right, so now let's talk about actual strategy for targeting the wide receiver position in your drafts. And if you're aiming for a wide receiver heavy start, Anthony, which is something you would rarely do, right? You're not, you're not big on wide receivers early, are you? <laughs> no, I've never, I've never drafted a wide receiver early. <laughs> I, I'm kidding because Anthony is a, a zero RB zealot. And I, I know this because I've drafted with him many times. Uh, but anyway, Anthony, which wideouts are you targeting between the second and fourth rounds? I mean, the first round wide receivers like you said are pretty safe it's pretty clear who those guys are but once you get into that second third fourth round which players are you looking at yeah I mean I I just feel like if you're going with a wide receiver every start it's probably at the end of the first round into the second round and like a juju going in round two is just so attractive to me like I I have him to lead the league in targets I think that he's at least in that mix Uh, but you know when he comes off the board as like wide receiver five wide receiver six um, I've gotten him in the second round on a lot of my teams on draft uh, you know, in a couple of these leagues that I've done in. So I think that he's like, he's like the focal point player. He's like the point man on a lot of these wide receiver heavy starts for me. Uh, Brandon Cooks, I really like as both a value and a player. Uh, always a thought he's talented, but I, the PPR finishes have also been there, you know, 15th, 13th, 11th, 14th, the last four years. That's playing for three different teams. Uh, he's being drafted as wide receiver 16. I'm just not really sure that there's anyone safer in that range. He's my wide receiver 11. I feel like you can just bank him, you know, just draft him and bank him, and he still is going to have, like, those bigger games because he plays in a really good offense. Uh, we mentioned Amari Cooper briefly before, uh, but he was wide receiver 11 since his first game as a Cowboy last year in terms of PPR points per game. Uh, and I like the variance that he has in the range of outcomes week to week. I, I think, I know, like, people talk about consistency a lot on Twitter. Like, I I don't really care, honestly. <laughs> like, I just, just get me the points. I don't really care as much how you get them but I do like having at least one guy that you know has like that 30 or 40 point upside in a given week and and can win me a week and Tyler Boyd I think is the guy that maybe he doesn't even get to the fourth round depending on like who you're drafting with and and where you are but I mean I'm obviously down on green that means I'm up on Boyd I, I just don't really see the targets going to a lot of other places while green is hurt John Ross has kind of proven that he can't he can barely stay healthy, like let alone maintain a, a heavy workload. They don't have a ton of other good receivers. Tyler Eifert is another walking injury at tight end. So 
I think Boyd is going to end up absorbing a ton of targets. And honestly, he might have been the better option for Dalton anyway in that offense because he is the low eight, the low eight out guy. And they have, well, once again, probably one of the worst offensive lines in football. So that's the, <clears throat> those are the four guys that I'm, I'm really trying to get in a lot of my drafts. Yeah, Boyd's an interesting one. If you look at our ADP tool on 4 for 4 he's going at the beginning of the sixth round. So if you're willing to take him in the fourth round, Anthony, I, th- I think that you are definitely higher on him than most. And with A.J. Green being so hard to depend on at this point, I, I think it's really easy to bump Boyd up our rankings. I do have concerns that Boyd actually did most of his best work with A.J. Green in the lineup last year. And if he's forced to take on you know more defensive attention from opposing teams that maybe he'll have a harder time, especially considering, you know, that Dalton isn't, you know, a stellar quarterback and the offensive line has so many problems. That's generally an offense that I'm trying to avoid. Like I'm even down on Joe Mixon a little bit. And so I haven't been ending up with Boyd very much for that reason. But like you said, the opportunity is there. And if the opportunity is on the level of a fourth round wide receiver and he's going in the sixth, it's hard to say no to that. I want to talk to you about Brandon Cooks's teammate, Robert Woods, because he's going right after Cooks in ADP. And to me, these guys both seem like good values. What's your take on Woods? Definitely a fan of Bob Woods. Uh, I mean, I, literally the only reason I don't have more of him is the same reason I didn't mention him is that I just like Cooks more. But I have I have them you know, really close in my wide receiver rankings. I think that if you're playing best ball, like grabbing both of those guys – Mm-hmm. is good and then grabbing Goff later for the the good stack and a good offense so I'm definitely down with Bob Woods like he's been awesome he plays uh, a pretty versatile role I know like he like he was a guy that they trusted to do a lot of the Cooper Cup things when Cooper Cup was hurt he always been I think pretty talented so yeah definitely a fan of him I have him and Cooks uh, both inside of my my top 12 receivers right now the other tandem I want to ask you about are the top two guys for the Buccaneers. Mike Evans is going in round two most of the time. Chris Godwin is going in round four most of the time. So they both fit this range that we're talking about. How willing are you to draft those guys at their prices? Definitely like them. Uh, Godwin has been rising a lot. I think that's I think that's a bit of an issue for me. Like when the when the summer opened, he was like a round five guy. I thought that was a great price. Now he seems to be heading towards round three, like just in terms of how he's trending. Probably wouldn't like him as much there. I have him as my wide receiver 22. I have Evans as wide receiver 13. So, I mean, I still believe that Evans has the higher scoring potential. He's still a down the field threat. Uh, so I, I like Evans range of outcomes. I feel like I always end up liking him a little bit more than, than some people. And Godwin, I think is, is difficult to peg just because we're not sure like how much, of the outside dynamic stuff that he did last year, like how much of that he'll be doing versus the in the slot, like high PPR value, you know, Larry Fitz role type stuff with Arians. So uh, I think Godwin definitely has a bunch of upside. This is a, a pass game that I really like. Uh, so I am willing to buy both, but I am just leery of the growing price for Godwin. Yeah. And like you talked about with Goff and Woods and Cooks for the Rams. The Buccaneers are another one where you can look to stack with the quarterback. If you invest in the wide receivers early, Jameis Winston is still pretty affordable, and they're going to throw a ton. So I, I think that that's a, another avenue to exploit in your fantasy drafts. Now let's say you are drafting in a way where you don't end up with many wide receivers early. I know this isn't typically your style, Anthony, but <laughs> who are your preferred targets in the middle and later rounds? Because, I mean, even in a 0RB, you're probably still going to be drafting wide receivers later anyway, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pounding that position no matter what. It's just like, am I taking running backs or am I not taking running backs? Like, that's the <laughs> that's like pretty much what everything my draft comes down to. But we're always taking receivers. 
And, uh, you know, these are four guys that I, I've been targeting no matter what strategy I've been implementing. Uh, Corey Davis, target hog wide receiver one last year. He played really well, but couldn't get that consistent quarterback play. I think that having Ryan Tannehill there to back up Marcus Mariota insulates his production a lot better than it's been in the past. I mean, you know, you could still argue that Mariota and Tannehill are like, you know, two of the five or 10 worst quarterbacks out of like the 32 starters plus backups. But if we can avoid the like Matt Castle, like just complete train wreck situation, that that helps him a lot. And I would expect him to put together his best season as a professional this year. Uh, Marvin Jones, you mentioned before. Yep. I mean, I, I really see Marvin Jones versus Kenny Galladay as more of a coin flip type of proposition, like maybe 55-45 Galladay. I mean, not like Galladay set the world on fire when Jones was hurt and Tate was off the team. That, I think, closeness in value is not reflected in ADP at all. Jones is coming off the board like three or four rounds later. Uh, and I don't even really like Detroit overall this year. Like I would just imagine them to be low pace and pretty balanced, uh, maybe even run heavy on offense. Uh, but I still think that Marvin is a bargain. Uh, Watkins, again, you mentioned him before. Uh, Hill's coming back, but that's impacted his, his draft position like way too much, I think. Uh, you know, now he's going like round seven, round eight, sometimes even round nine. I mean, this is still an explosive offense in which I don't think anybody can really afford to cover Watkins adequately, given the presence of Hill, given the presence of Travis Kelsey. Uh, Watkins left uh, one game early with an injury last year and played one uh, that big Monday night game against the Rams. He played that game hurt. It was really just like a decoy. Uh, but in the eight other games, he averaged 14.2 uh, PPR points per game. That puts him on that wide receiver two, wide receiver three fringe. He's really being drafted as more of a fringe wide receiver three. So, I mean, uh, you could argue that the difference there is just injury risk, but I, I will still take the upside. Uh, and Kenny Stills, who I, I he's just an every year guy for me. I mean, I'm hoping that this is the year that he pays me. Um, Miami is a mess, and I think that it has people avoiding Dolphin players. Uh, this is a, definitely a team that's going to tank for Tua. But someone has to catch the football in South Beach. I, I just think that they're going to be throwing a lot because they're not going to be very good. Uh, so whether it's Josh Rosen or Fitz, Fitzmagic, who we know can can definitely get some good fantasy production out of receivers, uh, Stills is the most talented and productive receiver the Dolphins have um, since joining the Dolphins in 2015. Since so it doesn't count, you know, any of the stuff he did with Drew Brees and the Saints, he ranks 18th among all wide receivers in yards per target and seventh in touchdown rate uh, for you know players with minimum 200 targets. So. You know, there's a lot to be said here about him just being like hashtag good. If he can get those targets, I just think that this is probably the biggest misprice of the year. Yeah, I'm with you on all those guys, uh, especially Jones, who is a player I keep targeting and barely missing out on over and over again in drafts. Like he'll get sniped from me one or two picks before I'm about to pull the trigger. I, I need to maybe bump him up my rankings a couple spots, but it's I, I feel like he's going in the right range value wise for all those concerns you noted about what we can expect from the Lions offense. But yeah, I think that he's really set up to be better than people are giving him credit for this season. I, I think people are just bored of him. And, you know, <laughs> two, two other boring players that I wanted to ask you about were Allen Robinson of the Bears and Larry Fitzgerald, who we noted earlier. These are two of the bigger values according to 444's ADP bargains tool. And their respective offensive systems, I think, are going to be anything but boring. And if the Bears and the Cardinals have these innovative schemes and they're, you know, spreading the ball out, but, you know, playing at high pace when they need to. 
I see Allen Robinson and Larry Fitzgerald, despite you know maybe not being the players they once were, being productive and being values where they're going in drafts. So where are you at on these two vets? I'm honestly down on both. Uh, I mean, Robinson is a guy who wasn't really commanding like a massive target share last year, just like around like 22 and a half percent when healthy. And I mean, I don't really see them as like a, a super high paced or a super high pass volume offense. So I only have them at like 120 targets. Not really sure, given again, like injury history and the efficiency that he's shown with the team that he's like a, a thousand yard eight touchdown guy like I, I just have him lower than that so I, I just feel like there's always someone that likes him more than me in drafts um he's not like a do not draft for me but I just feel like there's always someone that likes him more Fitzgerald is kind of a do not draft for me um just because I don't really see the ceiling I mean I, I am a fan of all things Cliff Kingsbury so like I you know if you're drafting him because you're like hey you know air raid good offense like this could be fun you know like whatever like I get that uh, I just don't think that he has any juice left. Like, I, he's gonna catch. He, he might catch his 80 balls, but he may only get like you know 650 or 700 yards off of them, uh, and probably not a lot of touchdowns. So I'm I'm just not really big on Fitz. I think that the young guys are gonna take over a little bit more. Christian Kirk, uh, definitely expect David Johnson to see a bounce back in reception total, and you know the air raid really does spread things out a lot too. So I think even if Fitz is one of the more highly targeted players in the offense. I'm not really sure that he has the ceiling to get back into like that wide receiver two, wide receiver three range. And uh, that those are really the only kind of guys I'm drafting. I'm really not looking to draft guys who will give you like a solid eight points every week or 10 points. And I think that's who Larry Fitz is. So, I mean, if you, if you want that, I think that that makes him a good pick, but it's just not really how I draft. Got it. You just don't draft old players. Understood. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So let's move on to some, kind of more crowded or nebulous receiving cores. And I want to know which one you think you have maybe a little bit more clarity on than the general fantasy public. Like, which players are you targeting to exploit that perceived market inefficiency? Like, I I think that what you brought up with Kenny Stills is a great one. Like, Miami Dolphins, Stills, Albert Wilson, even Devontae Parker and the rookie Preston Williams. These guys are all essentially free to draft. And Miami, according to our adjusted fantasy points against tool at 4 for 4, has the fourth best strength of schedule for receivers in PPR formats and the second best in non PPR formats. So I'm, I'm totally with you on stills. I think that looking at this, you know, potentially crowded or uncertain receiver core is the wrong way to look at it. You look at the price of these players and you say, you know, someone has to catch the ball. Like you said earlier, I'm going to invest in these guys because the schedule's good. They're probably going to be playing from behind a lot. And I might not want their quarterback, but I do want a piece of that receiving game. Uh, it still, as I agree, is the best bet, but I'm still willing to draft the other three, Wilson, Parker, and Williams, uh, as dart throws as well. Is there another team like that where you feel like you have a, a better read than the public? I mean, I kind of feel like that with the Steelers, although I've, I, like, everything I read has made me slightly more nervous about that, I guess. But, <laughs> like, it's pretty much like the guys behind Juju. It's like a mess, right? Like, you have Moncrief, you have James Washington, Deontay Johnson. Uh, there are still Eli Rogers and Ryan Switzer fans out there who believe that they will be relevant. So, uh, you know, there's just like a lot of noise. Um, Moncrief seems like the lead for the wide receiver two spot with like all these other guys, uh, you know, vying for the wide receiver three position. I I just think that Washington is the best player that they have behind Juju. Like, I mean, I think he's better than Moncrief even, but even if he can just be that wide receiver three, uh, the Steelers ran three or more wide receivers on 88% of their pass plays last year. So, you know, I don't think you have to be the wide receiver two to be on the field for most of the passing attempts. Like the difference between being the second and third receiver, I don't think is going to be terribly relevant in terms of fantasy production. And Washington is a big play machine. He averaged 
19.8 yards per reception over his four-year college career at Oklahoma State. It's like a really insane number. Uh, nobody's nobody else since 2000 has even hit 19 yards per reception on 200 or more more catches. Like the guy had volume and and uh, you know efficiency in college, which is which is pretty rare. Uh, his eight out last year was 16.6. So the Steelers, I think, clearly see him in like that same kind of explosive downfield role. And there's a lot of targets to be had, even if you you know give Juju a bump, which I have. Uh, there's still a lot of stuff to be had there with uh, Antonio Brown gone. So uh, lots of air yards, I think, uh, potentially for James Washington. I think that gives him like a, a really good ceiling, uh, definitely more upside than all these other guys, even if you end up like guessing wrong. Yeah, a couple more teams I want to throw out here for this would be the Cowboys. It's easy to look at Amari Cooper as the wide receiver one and say, okay, yeah, I think he's worth that third round price tag. But I really think Michael Gallup should be going higher. I don't understand why he's falling so far down ADP. And I get that maybe Dallas won't be as pass prevalent as a lot of other teams, but he's still the locked in number two there. Like I don't trust Randall Cobb at all to stay healthy or even be more than, you know, just a guy, you know, taking up space on the field. Are you in on Gallup at his price? I, I just, I see him as a screaming value. Uh, I like him in best ball. I don't really see okay. him in redraft as like being a guy I ever want to like put in my lineup. Um, I mean, maybe if I had like Dak or it was like a bye week or something like that, but you'd have to, you'd have to have it to me, a Cooper injury for Gallup to have like weekly value. Um, that's probably why I don't like him maybe as much as you, but he is going to have still like those big weeks just again, by virtue of the fact that he's targeted so far down the field. Uh, I, I definitely agree that it sounds like they want to involve him more. We'll just see how many balls they can actually get his way this year. Other team I want to talk to you about here is the Green Bay Packers and what you expect to see beyond Devontae Adams as the wide receiver one. I'm not a huge believer in Geronimo Allison, although based upon what we saw last year, maybe I should be. You know, Jake Kumro's getting a little bit of buzz, but I'm really on the MVS bandwagon, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I've been drafting him a lot, and again, I, I don't have like one stat I can point to necessarily that makes me think that MVS is the guy, but just based upon the reports we're seeing and based upon what he flashed last year as a rookie... I end up I, I just always end up drafting him at his price because I want exposure to Aaron Rodgers. Are, are you with me on MVS? I mean, honestly, I'm not sure. Like, I this was a team like when you asked the question, I thought about saying, but I was like, I don't know if I actually have a good read on this. Like, <laughs> you know, we agree. Obviously, Adams is going to be like the dude, but Allison and, and MVS have had like there's been like different things that people have liked about each. Um, I mean, I know I was definitely a big fan of Allison heading into the off season just because uh, he was really productive last year before getting injured. And if you want to have like an MBS love fest, you can just have Davis on like he's obsessed with that guy. Um, but it sounds like, it sounds like like Rogers really likes Valdez Scantling, which I, I mean, I, I guess if we've learned anything over the last like year or two, like that probably is what matters the most. Um, but then I've also seen like all these stats that say that, He's the best when he's targeting the slot, and Allison is expected to be the slot guy. So it's like, I really just have no idea. Like, uh, I'm kind of just looking to take either guy when I can, like, if, if they slip. So, like, I've taken Valdez Scanling a few times when it's like, I feel like he should be going in, like, maybe around eight or around nine, and he doesn't go. So I take him in around 10. You know, like, I, uh, I'm i kind of just looking to take the discount because I, I do still think, like you said, like, you know, Rodgers, there's still value there. Like, I don't know if these guys have, like, the Randall Cobb wide receiver two type upside in the offense. But, I mean, they're, when they're being drafted, like, outside the top 40, you don't really have much room to go but up if you get the right guy. So I, 
I definitely agree that this is a spot to target. I just really have no read. So what's another team that you have a tough time getting a read on? Like which wideout group are you kind of looking at and just throwing your hands up and saying, I'm avoiding this. I, I don't want any piece of this because I don't get it. Yeah, so I mean the Niners for me are just like a total no contest. Mm. Uh, and I actually think like I have a good read on this and the read is just don't draft the guys. Like like the read is you should be throwing your hands up and saying I'm fed up with this because – um, I mean, maybe in like a best ball, I'll take some Marquise Goodwin. Like he seems like the only guy locked into a starter role. But uh, it just sounds like the targets here are going to be really spread out. Dante Pettis is losing reps to, to Kendrick Bourne, which I don't think anyone really expected. Uh, the team, I mean, just drafted two wide receivers. Trent Taylor appears to be lined up for the slot whenever he returns from his foot injury, which could be as early as week one, even though uh, it was like a Jones fracture. I think this whole, the whole situation just seems like a total mess. And even if you look last year at the targets, obviously it was just a couple of games before Jimmy Garoppolo got injured, but it was pretty much like Kittle and then everybody else in targets. And I, I just think that that's what we're going to see here. Uh, so I don't really see a reason to invest in these Niner guys. I mean, Pettis, you're not even getting a discount. Like you're paying full price on him. Um, so I just don't really see a reason to uh, to invest. Now, with that said, you're probably still willing to draft Jimmy Garoppolo maybe in a two-quarterback format. Because, I mean, even if you expect the targets to get spread around all the receivers, somebody, it's the same guy in theory throwing all those players those targets, right? Yeah, I mean, my my concern, and I know this isn't the quarterback show, but like my concern with Garoppolo is very similar to the concern I have about like maybe a guy like Sam Darnold, where it's like I don't see, I don't see the guys who score the touchdowns. Hmm. And like that's kind of been like the bill on Garoppolo the last couple of years is like he'll move you down the field and then you'll you'll take three because he doesn't get you in the end zone. And, like, I don't think that that's his fault. I just think that that's because, like, they have all these, like, you know, kind of, like, scatty receivers, and they don't have a guy. They don't have a dude, like, that's going to go up and get it in the end zone. Like, that was a that was a spot I really wanted to see Allen Robinson in, you know? Yep. I didn't get it, and now they're still drafting, like, all these guys who I don't really think are fit for, like, big red zone targets or high touchdown loads. So, uh, my, like, I, you know, in two quarterback, I'll, I'll draft any quarterback, you know, but <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not like going out of my way to get Garoppolo. Fair enough. Yeah. I just wasn't sure how high you were on that offense in general, but that point about, you know, having a touchdown maker does make some sense. I mean, I think Kittle could be that guy, but if he's the only guy, then he's going to get all that defensive attention. One of the teams for me that I have a really tough time getting a read on are the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Chark, Marquise Lee, Keelan Cole. Now they have Chris Conley too. Like I'm coming around on this setup for Nick Foles as a late round quarterback option, especially in yes. QB and Superflex because their schedule's good. They have a good offensive coordinator. The the same guy you were talking about earlier from Minnesota who got fired for passing too much. I feel like that's underreported in terms of you know Nick Foles' fantasy value. So he's a guy I'm coming around on, but at the same time, I have no idea where these targets are going to go to the Jaguars receivers. Who do you think is is going to be you know the the best bet there? It seems like the fantasy community in general is on D.D. Westbrook, but are you on the same page? Yeah, I mean, I actually wrote about this at Roto Experts. Like, we're so confident in D.D. Westbrook being the guy. Like his ADP versus all these other Jacksonville guys, it's like 100 picks. Like it's not even it's not even close. I mean, Westbrook probably does lead them in targets, but you know, Marquise Lee has been productive before. He just got taken off the pup this morning. Um, DJ Shark was a guy they drafted in the second round last year. He was like a big play guy at LSU. Could definitely do the same thing. And it sounds like Chris Conley was like recruited by Nick Foles to come to Jacksonville. So he's probably in the mix also. So like I, I feel like I'd just much rather throw a dart at like the Lee Chark Conley group than pay full price for Westbrook. Uh, I think I like Chark the most in best ball because he has like the, that most boom upside. Uh, but I probably like Lee the most in like a redraft setting, uh, just to give you like 
potentially target hog value and and good volume because uh, I am with you. Like I I like Foles as a two quarterback target. I think that this offense is going to throw. We want to take advantage of that. So if we're going to take advantage with Foles, like let's let's take the late dart on one of these other Jacksonville receivers. Yeah, I like it. Now you mentioned dart throws. Who is your favorite deep dart throw sleeper at wide receiver? That we'll get you out on this question. <laughs> uh, I mean, for me, it's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I think he's exactly the type of guy you should be targeting with one of your last picks in redraft this year. Uh, Eagles offense is loaded. I think I got all anyone's talked about, I feel like, is the Eagles are, if not a favorite, like one of like the three teams most likely to win the Super Bowl this year. And Arcega-Whiteside was drafted highly, had a you know really good pedigree going into the draft. Um, but, you know, he's probably going to start out behind at least Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, probably behind Nelson Aguilar, too, uh, just because of what he brings for them in three wide sets. Uh, and obviously, they have Zach Ertz as a main candidate to lead the team in targets. Uh, but Arcega Whiteside has like kind of like that multi-handcuff accessibility to snaps. I mean, if Alshon were to ever get hurt, we're talking about him being like a potential full-time player, uh, like wide receiver two upside, maybe. Um, but really, if any of these guys get hurt, he's going to see a bunch of snaps and he has like that touchdown scoring skill set we were talking about, which is really valuable on a team that's expected to score a lot of points. So, uh, I mean, I think his role could grow as the year progresses anyway, but there's just like a lot of ways I think that Arcega Whiteside can hit for you, uh, and he costs you, you know, really nothing in drafts. I feel the exact same way about Deion Kane of the Colts as that player who, if Hilton gets hurt, could step up, if Paris Campbell gets hurt, could step up, and the Andrew Luck injury throws all this stuff into flux, right? Like, so it's it's hard for me to make him like my real deep sleeper. So, so the guy I am going to tab here is Miles Boykin of the Ravens, and the Ravens probably aren't going to throw a ton, but he seems to be the only receiver getting any sort of buzz out of camp. You know, Hollywood Brown has had a hard time getting on the field for practice and games, and by all accounts, Boykin has been really, really good during the offseason. And, you know, we, we have to take all those reports with a grain of salt, but if Lamar Jackson takes a step forward like, I expect him to do, and I think like a lot of people expect him to do, someone's going to have to be that primary receiver for him, and you know Boykin has the physical tools to do that. It's just a matter of time, I think, before he puts it together. It might not be right away, but I think by midseason, he could be someone we're you know, scrambling to the waiver wire for. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that actually brings up a good point, is that like like whoever you're drafting to be that guy, like stash him. like Commit to stashing him. Don't give up early, because I feel like, I feel like every year there's at least a couple guys in your league that are like, Oh man, like, you know, I drafted James Conner and then I, I dropped them. Don't give up on the guys that you think can be the late breakouts early. There's other guys on your bench that probably just won't do anything that you can get rid of. The guys that you think ha- that you drafted for upside, like you still want to hold on to that upside. So I think, uh, I think what you say with Boykin being like a, a guy down the road is, is important to remember. Yep. That's great advice. And that's a great place to, to end the show here, Anthony. Why don't you let folks know uh, where they can find you on social media and, and find your work? Yeah, I mean, Greg dropped the the Twitter handle earlier. It's Adam Eaksta on Twitter. You can find, right now, honestly, mostly baseball stuff over at DraftKings, but we'll have an NFL betting article for you uh, every week during the NFL season. Uh, and then at Roto Experts, we have uh, a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, Davis has really been cranking out a ton of content, uh, content Davis Maddock, but you can get access to the whole package over there, which includes my stuff, his stuff, uh, all of our rankings and projections. At Roto Experts, we have the NFL 365 package, and you can get a 10% discount if you use the promo code Amico, which is my last name. So there you go. Great stuff. And we're going to have Davis on the show soon to talk daily fantasy. So listeners can look forward to that. 
Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show. Listeners, you can follow me on Twitter at Greg Sauce. Hit me up on there if you have any feedback for the show or suggestions for guests and or topics, anything like that as we move toward the NFL season. Leaving positive and constructive reviews of the podcast on iTunes is always appreciated as well. John Paulson will dive deeper into the wide receiver position with a special guest later this week, and then we'll be back next week to discuss the tight end position. Until then, good luck in your upcoming drafts, and thank you for listening to the Most Accurate Podcast.